to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Damn America podcast with ghosts and shit for dumb asses. Hi, I'm Jake Flores. <laughs> Alex Batak is here. What up? That's Andrew, it this week. I like that one. Andrews Lee is here. Andrews Lee here. Um, and special guest from cl- class time. Yes, class time pod. Hold on. Okay, your name is Kenzo Shibata. Why is your zoom name something else <laughs> infosec okay actually it's my wife's uh zoom okay, <laughs> okay. That makes please sense. stop zooming my wife <laughs> that was it's not funny. a bit this is we just we only have one family account like this is, <laughs> i worked the bit post facto i feel you my wife's name is weinstein that's not helping me though yeah mm. uh, i don't think the fbi uh, is gonna look at them Oh, <laughs> why does your Zoom name Double have three parentheses around it? <laughs> well, Kenzo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jake. Glad to have you. Um, you know, long fan, mutual fan, mutual fan. Yeah, you're fr- uh, friend of the pod. You've been on last time to talk shit about comics. That was fun. Yeah, we're pod blood brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just can't share blood at the moment because that would be well. You lost yours, didn't you? They stole my blood. The goddamn <laughs> stadium just misplaced my blood. I think they found it though, which is weird. They did eventually give me, oh, you got a blood test, but it's like, is that my blood though? There's like changes yeah. happening, right? But just to be hospital. clear, that wasn't all your blood. You still kept some. <laughs> I would hope so. You, you could like, ambulate and stuff. Yeah, taste it. Like I have way more iron than this. This is not my blood. <laughs> Whose blood is this? This is not my blood taste. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool if they took all my blood and then it was like a crank movie type thing where I was like, back, back, my blood <laughs> I was just really dehydrated the whole time Jake thinks he's being tested for a deadly disease when really we're sucking all the blood out of his body <laughs> <laughs> yeah um just to start off I'm Knoxville and this is a murder okay that's it to start off today, I want to do a little bit of house cleaning, go through some emails and stuff. I do read the stuff you send me. Um, today, somebody sent me some supplemental rat facts after we did that episode where I read a bunch of facts about rats. Here are some more. <laughs> this is from Brooke. Hey, PDA. First of all, I love the podcast. I've been listening for like a year or more, and you all are always super entertaining, usually very, usually very informative. Um, I know y'all <laughs> don't have a listener mail. People send me like kind of angry emails sometimes when I just talk about something I don't understand, like dead bodies. One guy sent me a long <laughs> thing that was like, actually, they don't shit themselves. What happens is they roll over, and then it was just like this whole thing. Like, I worked in a morgue for two years. Um, right. So sorry. Weird flex. Yeah, for this reason, I know y'all don't have a listener mail segment or anything like some podcasts do. And to be honest, I don't care if you read this on an episode <laughs> or anything, or I don't care if you read this on an episode or anything. But I wanted to send an email with some supplemental rad facts. Well, you're in luck. One, 
Rats aren't that much smaller than ducks. Ducks are mostly feathers, and wild ducks are way smaller than farmed ducks. But also, hmm. this might have been, been such a problem more because the rats were eating the duck eggs. This is when we were talking about how the rats, like, killed a bunch of ducks in some country. They were eating the eggs, not the adult ducks. That's how they made they genocided a bunch of ducks. Okay. Yeah. They ate the young. Yes. Two. Rat sex might be kind of gnarly for the female. Rats do, in fact, have penile bones, although I'm not sure if they have a spike or a barb like cats do. Jury's Literal boner, out. then. Yeah. Yes. I about yeah. to say, I thought the, the penis was a mu- just a muscle. But not uh, in rats. Okay. Or not if you have a spike. And this is why we're being educated by email. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of behavior. Right. Yeah. No, they have a bone dick, which is cool. <laughs> Um, that looks like something you, you always say something terrible about rats and then immediately follow it with, and that's why they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're cool, they eat trash and stuff. Mice and three mice and rats are indeed completely different animals. There, there are many species of both. I knew that. I don't think I said like cats are boys and dogs are girls or whatever. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. <laughs> The most, humane, the most humane way to kill things is generally some kind of decapitation. Sticky traps are about the worst way because the animal will get stuck and then it has to starve to death. Um, and then there's a book suggestion called Darwin Comes to Town, which is about, the, about urban evolution. There's a chapter about the species of mouse in New York that's very adapting to different types of trash food. That's pretty cool. Um, I didn't know this. This is probably the most important one. Nutria rats, those big-ass swamp rats in uh, Louisiana, hmm. those are not rats. They're just capybara. They're just called nutria rats for what? some reason. Chupacabra? No, oh, capybara. Loophole. Rat loophole. Yeah. Not a rat. <laughs> uh, they're rodents, the largest species of rodent, but they're different from rats. I don't know. Animal people could probably make sense of that. And they're invasive in the U.S., mainly Louisiana and the southeast. Um so are they sort of like chinchillas? Yes. In okay. fact, there's another note here that says chinchillas are not rats. Like the capybara, they are rodents and therefore related to rats, but they aren't actually rats. So Rabbits are also rodents. We cleared that up. A couple what other, other things. What rodents do you know? <laughs> I don't uh, uh, I think the wolverine is a rodent. rodent. Raccoons? alone, and there's a wolverine in it. Squirrels, if they don't treat me right, are rodents in my book. <laughs> and in general. And in general, regardless of how they treat you. <laughs> Sometimes they're nice. Okay. Uh, Anders is a cop now to the animals. <laughs> they don't treat me right. You're in rat town, buddy. <laughs> okay, so uh, outdoor cats are one of the worst invasive species. They're also directly responsible for the extinction of multiple birds. Or they also kill small animals, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the final one is it's not a myth that rats spread the plague. Uh, it was actually their fleas or something, but close enough. Um, prairie dogs get the plague and endangered black footed ferrets love to eat prairie dogs. And then they get the plague. This plague still exists just in animals. Uh, the solution in order to fix this, if you live around these animals to mix plague vaccines, which apparently there are, um, or huh. treatments into household plague vaccines, plague pill. <laughs> Yeah, and then you have to feed them peanut butter with the, the cure to the bubonic plague in it. <laughs> I'm not, go- okay. not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. They're, they're going to die of the plague. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, 
and that's pretty much it this person just says hey thanks i love the podcast all that shit um stay sane during lockdowns brooke thank you very much for uh helping us with the new direction we're taking this podcast it's a podcast about rats now oh yeah um <laughs> sorry of the we real know rats. so little about rats in general <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the real rats now <laughs> or not rats capybaras i don't know what are we talking about <laughs> Um, the mares of the country, which is a mare is sort of an animal, right? Isn't that like a type of horse? A mare? Um, a female yes. horse is an M-A-R-E mare. Oh there my we God. go. Full circle. I, I just figured something out. Okay, so there's this Magic the Gathering card called Nightmare, and it's like <laughs> an evil horse. Mm. I just mm-hmm. realized that that's like a play on words. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Well, now that I think of it, one of the most sort of rat-like uh chipacabra like not what what was it again chinchilla yeah the thing chinchilla. uh yes one of the most yeah e- evil sort of species like humans i think in america possibly the world very similar to a rat uh i, I really yeah this makes me think of i was i mentioned the secrets of nim on the last mm-hmm. rat episode this guy could be a character in that rama Manuel is mm. a rat like yeah. human physically mentally all the way, physically. Um, yeah, because he, he if he if he was a Republican, he would be less rat like. The fact that he's a Democrat makes him more like a rat. It's uh, he is almost better at passing and implementing Republican policies than Republicans are. Yeah, he closed fifty schools in one school year in Chicago. Fifty schools, all in black and brown neighborhoods. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know a Republican like a who's able to handle that. When, uh, <laughs> when the police kill someone in Chicago, he, um, him and his spider friend make a, a, a web that says some pig on it. <laughs> They're proud of the pig. <laughs> they think it's a good pig, you know? Yeah. Pigs. We're doing animal farm today on the podcast, everyone. Cops <laughs> the pigs. Or I mean, like rats or something. Rom was the guy who famously hid a police, uh, no, the video of a police murder right. to get reelected. And, you know, he had the state's attorney in on it with him. And um, he was, he's such an effective rat. He's a super rat. Right. Um, the problem <laughs> like we have Joker. in Chicago now is we have like a rat who's not competent, which is a host of other problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. His uh, successor, you know, he, because of that, tape in part he decided not to run for third term 2019 and uh, i remember this is yeah a little over a year ago uh election for a mayor in chicago and like this election kind of broke my brain right mm-hmm. because we had the winner Lori lightfoot current mayor of chicago mm-hmm. uh she sounds like a harry potter character <laughs> running against i kid you not tony preckwinkle was the name of mm, her opponent mm-hmm. and that that's just i had a brain aneurysm when i found that out i'm still trying to make sense of that uh combination how, of words how bad was preckwinkle well so, she was better than lightfoot right well you, she you was my preference definitely yeah. um but she would have been i mean she was a machine person like there were a lot of complications it, in many ways like our last um mayoral election paralleled this primary uh, the democratic national primary because we started out with like 25 candidates mm. um some of them with big famous names and those folks didn't even make it to the final round and then like some randos and uh, a lot of weird shit along the way like i mean the good thing that came out of that 
um, that particular election was we elected six socialists. The bad right. thing was there was no left plan for what to do with the mayoral race. And Tony Preckwinkle comes out of the Chicago machine. And I think there's, I mean, there's some complications there too. Like she's, the way the Chicago machine worked was it was just, you know, a white supremacist machine for yeah. decades. And then some fissures created and people found those opportunities, like people of color to, um, you know, build their own like fiefdoms. And that kind of became a way for people to build power who never had access to it in the past. Not saying that's a good way to build power, but it's just, it became the reality. And that was kind of the machine that Tony Preckwinkle worked her way up through. So she's definitely a hardworking person, gets politics, but she was very much part of the machine and signing off on a lot of the awful shit that the Cook County Dems had done over the years. Um, I mean, she's president now, so she actually is leading in this shit. But um, so what it came down to uh, was she was able to eke out because she got the union endorsements because we mm -hmm. all, all the unions kind of knew what we needed to have her on. We never had an opportunity to have a mayor on our side, really, except for the building trades, um, like teachers unions. We never had a mayor on our side. So, um, you know, we thought that maybe Preckwinkle uh, would have been a better opportunity out of the two. Um, certainly not like socialist praxis supporting her, but yeah. practical praxis supporting right. her. Um, but she was tied to an alderman named Ed Burke, who famously was um, is indicted now because he tried to shake down a local Burger King um, in his ward. <laughs> um, he was Doesn't very he much they're poison. The burgers yeah. in there are poison. <laughs> this was before that. This was before the you know the cops got the diarrhea. Uh, but uh, so Which for you know, the record was a Shake Shack just so true. everyone is clear Burger King still in still in the clear right. still <laughs> number one on the topic of burgers did everyone see the cop crying today on yes Twitter? yes yeah I was about to say is there going to be like a series now of corrupt politicians just being like I don't feel safe going to BK <laughs> I think it's going to well, happen <laughs> yeah but like she basically was like i mean he helped her out through her career she did good and she did bad you know she's a complicated political actor ed burke was a pretty bad dude and, and this guy has been in office since like 1948 is it that guy yes okay. oh no um the 60s 60s yeah i'm exaggerating but yeah and uh but he has like a 16 million dollar war chest which is more than the rest of city council um combined has uh at you know their disposal for a, for a city council race yes wow With, 50 people, 50, 50 aldermen we have. Um, so all that, pre or all that Lightfoot had to do was tie Preckwinkle to Burke every time she spoke, and then she won in a landslide. So we have this Lori Lightfoot folk person with this Lori Lightfoot person who had never held any kind of elected role in Chicago. She was a corporate lawyer for Mayor Brown, which are some of the worst humans on earth. They defend some of the worst humans on earth. She was a prosecutor. So, but she did campaign on a progressive platform. Um, so we were kind of left with, um, you know, a Pandora's box and we opened it and it was all, it's been shit all year. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And that started with the, uh, the, the strike, right? Uh, back in the, in the fall. Um, yeah. Even I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask like how that uh, began, like going in, did you know she was going to be shitty on, on education issues or like, was the a surprise the union folks that i knew that opposed her um as soon as she won we all reached out and we're like okay well let's work together you're near the mayor and that's when you know some of my lawyer friends clued me in on what's called big law brain which is <laughs> when you're like a lawyer from a major corporate firm you start to think that you're god 
and you take everything as a slight. Anytime I read about this on uh, Bog Blog Blog's Log Blog. Yeah, it's the same concept, and this is exactly what Lori Lightfoot has. So she makes all sorts of very bad political decisions. Like, she has a lot of authority. The, the mayor of Chicago has authority over schools, over literally everything but the sewers. The sewers are a different board, but we'll talk, we could talk about it some other time. Um, <laughs> but they have a huge amount of authority, but she never built a base. So she has very little power in the city. And that's always like kind of coming into conflict now because she'll make these grand proclamations. Like she didn't want to close the schools down. And then when everyone's like, no, we're, we have to close the schools down for COVID, the mayor, or the, I'm sorry, the governor had to step in and say, no, you have to take this seriously. You can't run on ego, Lori. So mm-hmm. this has been like contract negotiations were exactly this. Like she um, hired a corporate lawyer that from her old firm to kind of be her uh, consigliere, um, who's just this awful guy who, um, you know, would just trash teachers and they, they use the media a lot to, um, to their advantage because of access journalism. They knew that they could say, well, we're not going to answer questions unless you print certain lies about uh, the CTU. Um, so we just knew that we were running, you know, we were basically up against a corporate lawyer and that's how she's going to approach all her dealings. Right. So she likes to say, I'm not Rom. That's the, the quote she'll, she'll repeat. But uh, is she kind of, Mayor Rahm Emanuel is known as Mayor 1%. Is she kind mm-hmm. of like Mayor 2%, Mayor 1.5%? <laughs> yeah. Is she slightly Rom? Whole <laughs> mayor. <laughs> it's just like a different. I think she has the same ideology that Rom has. Almond mm-hmm. mayor. Almond- <laughs> soy, soy, yeah, yeah. soy face mayor. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's phrase more of the soy face mayor, but okay. We're not yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The boy mayor. <laughs> so many different mayors. So Most- many mayors. So little time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that Lori Lightfoot has um, not made many friends. Um, The interesting thing, too, about uh, my friend Steve put it this way. It's not that she's tough on the teachers union the way a lot of mayors are. She's literally tough on schools. Like she (laughs) wants to like, I I don't know, because she her messaging is pro schooling. But then her policy is like, you know, making life as hard as possible for parents, students and teachers, which is such a political mistake to piss off parents. And I'm, you know, we're letting her walk into it because we don't want her elected again, but also, you know, we still have to live our lives for the next three years. Right. Um, Well, while you're trying to live your lives, uh, how is her response to COVID been? Initially, it was very much like the governor had to step in to be like, no, you have to shut things down. You have to do this. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So initially what had happened was, so there was a meme going around that where she was, cause that's how we do politics now. Um, <laughs> her kind of with her arms folded, scowling um, from a press conference and people were superimposing that over different famous parts of Chicago, like the Bean, like uh, Sears Tower. Basically it became this whole meme of stay at home, which was very effective. And I have to give her office credit for like using this meme to actually get the vast majority of Chicagoans to take the stay at home orders seriously. But then like after George Floyd, uh, was murdered, they kept posting those damn jokey memes about staying at home while people were protesting. Mm. Um, because that was like, this is the mm. trick she had, and she was going to keep using it. So there's no real political for, you know, uh, foresight right. at all That there. doesn't match the tone 
of the yes. moment. You know this what I mean? Like if we're doubling room. down on memes, you can't have, you know, don't set a cop car on fire. Be a good guy, Greg. <laughs> Stay at your house. What's, what's stopping you from looking like this? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Dude. Everyone's talking about zoomers on the fucking Twitter these this week for some reason. I don't uh -huh. really catch what the origin of this is, but there's there is something to the fact that we have old fucks in office right now who need to use memes, but are tone deaf and mm -hmm. like, tech illiterate. We need to elect some goddamn Zoomer mayors, I think, or some maybe just some Zoomer city councilors. Some somebody infiltrate the system with like proper meme usage and uh the timing that it requires <laughs> you know uphold joshua for congress thought yeah <laughs> <laughs> there is some like poster spirit that she has because instead of apologizing it's just doubling down <laughs> like i mean i guess that's kind of poster brain big law brain venn diagram right that's like right there in the middle like i will yeah. not delete this fucking thing Right. I do respect that in a comic. I'm not sure if it transfers hmm. to Mayor, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mayor Lightfoot was like, "Can someone explain to me the central metaphor of parasite?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can we admit it doesn't work. Well, what is the mayor Ohio doing? City of Chicago. <laughs> oh, and another thing that she's been she's been doing um, during during the stay at home. Now we're we're open again and. For now, I'll just put it that way. But, you know, initially she was like walking around the city with, um, you know, kind of an entourage of reporters and cops yelling at black kids to go home. And like there was one scene that went viral where they were in a public park. The kids were all wearing bandanas and they were grilling. They seemed to be socially distant. And like she was just yelling at them. And of course they were getting defensive because she, it's not like she approached them and said, hey, this is unsafe. Here, here's some other things to do. Um, she was just like, go home. And like not understanding at all. Like I'm a teacher. Like some of these kids, their home life is not better, or their neighborhoods aren't safer than whatever park they're in. For some reason, they were in that park together, and she wasn't like trying to figure out what the root cause was. She just wanted right. to be the cop in the situation. The law There's is not often implemented directly by the mayor. To cool <laughs> when it happens, they're just more. trying to grill. There's nothing sacred. <laughs> yeah, the kids are grill pilled. <laughs> Well, one thing that she, one of her like moves, it seems, I remember this from the uh, the teacher strike negotiations, is where she just say, "Look, we don't have the money. The money's mm -hmm. not there," and it's just like not true. But she'll keep like backing herself into this position, and she's doing it now with like the COVID relief package. Because I was reading a little bit about uh, the the six socialist members of the city mm -hmm. council have a have an idea that would you know provide uh, working families with the support they need, uh, be a big boost to people in Chicago who need it and she's doing the same line again where like I don't we don't have the money we don't have the money uh why is that bs like what like what is she why is she using that tack again I can't I don't know why she's doing it now it seemed like for the schools thing a lot of it was a pissing match but a lot of it was also kind of being able to she didn't want to be the one that caved to the union after Rom you know didn't after Rom like pushes so far. Um, but with this COVID stuff, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, it, it appears to be just incompetence, um, which I'm willing to chalk it up as that, but I can't tell where she's coming from. Mm. From an well, outside perspective, it really seems like, although she's a new mayor, mm. uh, her kind of arc is very similar to the de Blasio arc 
we know and love here in New York City, where you have someone who on paper is extremely, you know, lefty friendly and progressive. And then in, in actuality is doing absolutely nothing to help you. And it doesn't seem like it's just her. It seems like it's like a wave of mayors right now. Mm-hmm. All these wonderful mayors are betraying, betraying the wing. And I, I'm deeply afraid of the backlash that's going to come from that politically uh, after this. But I guess my, my one question is, before we talk about all, all these wonderful, terrible mayors, are there any good <laughs> mayors? Does, can anybody name a good mayor? I actually, I can answer this question. So I actually did some research for the show today and um, going to be reading once again, as is tradition on the show, from the uh, mcdonalds.fandom.com wiki page. Um, here's some information about the only good mayor, the only mayor that is a true enemy to the police, as we learned this week, Mayor McCheese. Mayor McCheese. <laughs> species. Burger. <laughs> gender. Male. Character description: Mayor of McDonald Land. Uh, character information appeared in has appeared in many TV and print ads for McDonald's from 1970 to 1985. Now you might be asking yourself, what happened in 1985, right? Well, the character was minor. Following the lawsuit, Mayor gained popularity from petitions to bring him back to the commercials to blog posts like talking of, of why characters like him disappeared. While McDonald Land is, a, is currently phased out altogether, Mayor McCheese was, due to a lawsuit made by HR Puff and Stuff creators Sid and Marty Croft. I didn't know that. McDonald Land itself was a ripoff of HR Puff and Stuff. <laughs> After much discussion, McDonald Land remained with the most original characters, including Mayor McCheese, who coincidentally was indeed based on Puff and Stuff, was phased out. McCheese made some of his last commercial appearances in the late 70s and early 80s. He was, though, seen in a cameo role in the VHS series The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. So they got sued by H.R. Puff and Stuff over what they admitted was directly. I think they were just like, we didn't know it was illegal for us to mm-hmm. steal H.R. Puff and Stuff and put a burger right. on his head. They should have just said we took the same acid as H.R. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same visions. Burger. HR Puff and Stuff has a very powerful union, and it is not easy <laughs> to go against them. <laughs> Puff fitters. Yeah, so I guess what they did is they carved up McDonald Land in some sort of like backroom <laughs> meeting after the fucking after the lawsuit, and they were like, "All right, we got to get rid of the mayor, but we get to keep right. Grimace and the Hamburglar and uh, the Bird Girl." Right. And they're like, "Quick <laughs> question: What is Grimace? We're not discussing that today." No, that's another episode. <laughs> where we went into that. That was the Mick Chaz. Yeah, the, <laughs> the autonomous, um, yeah. autonomous kid zone. <laughs> right there, you go. Autonomous play zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are there are there good mayors? It's it's hard to say because like big cities are sort of like the most progressive uh, zones in America, mm-hmm. especially at the municipal level, and you have um, people who run on it's it's where it gets weird because you have people running on very very progressive rhetoric and i think we're going to see more and more of this with uh, in regards to police reform and quote-unquote abolition there will be people who are faking left and moving right um because i there are really some at bottom some structural impediments to actually being a progressive mayor you know and, mm. and i mean that's true of any uh elected office in america but it's it's especially glaring at the mayoral level because there's no right wing that you can blame for anything you know your constituency Mm -hmm. in big cities is progressive um and we've definitely seen that with de blasio 
Um, I mean, he's someone who came into office, right? Uh, we talked about this a little bit with Judah, uh, promising to really crack down on the NYPD police abuse and stuff. And right. um, cops and horses for him. Right. Those were the big things. Yeah, but it, if people remember, like the thing that he was against uh, when the campaign really got into full swing was stop and frisk. Um, mm. But he actually wasn't against that until like late in the summer of 2013 when there was a court case that declared it unconstitutional. Because before that, he was like, well, we still mm. got to, you know, it's a police practice. We got to do it. And then the court case came along and it became like an easy political move to to be against it. And he came out with, he cut the ad with Dante. We all know how that went. Um, but it seems like his move throughout his tenure has been to it, say progressive things, right? And it excites mm -hmm. people. I remember when he was running for president, people were kind of like upset with him for neglecting his duties as mayor. And there's a, a blackout in South Brooklyn. Uh, and people's like, what's your response, Mr. Mayor? What, what, what are you going to do about it? And he, and he says, you know, it's, it's time to really think about uh, taking public control over Con Ed. Mm. And all the progressives in New York were like, oh, okay, shit, he said that? That's Damn. great. Awesome. But he does nothing about it, right? That's, I, I think, a model with a lot of these mayors is to, mm -hmm. to suggest things and act like you're doing a favor to uh, your activist base and then actually not follow through. It's the, on it's any the of same it. move as when uh, you can't get your kid to go to the dentist, so you tell them they're going to Disney World. And then they're in the car <laughs> and they're getting their teeth drilled. And you're like, surprise, I already got what I wanted out of this. Yeah. Um, but one of his sort of like signature achievements that he likes to brag about, de Blasio, is the universal pre-K. Mm. Um, and I was wondering if Kenzo is, is an educator. I was wondering if we could get your perspective on that plan and, and how you view it from like a public education perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and I'm also, I have a seven-year-old. So we've been through the pre-K system in Chicago. So when I first heard about the universal pre-K plan, um, I thought that was huge. And I said to myself, like, this is going to be what keeps Del Blasio in office for life for as long as he wants it. Um, but like the mm -hmm. devil was really in the details here. Mm -hmm. I think it did take a lot of political will for him to get it passed and to uh, like, um, you know, to actually implement it. Um, but there's a huge problem there is that they didn't have any kind of plan to build more uh, facilities for the kids. And so it's not, it's a patchwork program and it just, yeah. it re um, it reproduces a lot of the class um, disparities in especially early childhood ed, because, you know, if you live in Midtown, like you'll be able to send your kid to like a good preschool um, and for free, that's huge. You're saving yourselves maybe a hundred grand over two years, even like, School is astronomical for, you know, the, the fancy schools. But if you're in a poor neighborhood, you know, your option might be a, a dirty storefront with people who are not even qualified to teach. They're, it's basically babysitting and sometimes not even that safe. Right. Um, so it's not, it's, it's called a universal program, but unless there's some sort of equity built into the policy, it's not really a universal program. Like what should have really been done, um, in the implementation or actually in the, in the writing of the policy is have some sort of metric made for wh which neighborhoods were most in need of high quality um, early ed mm -hmm. uh, programming. 
and then focused building those facilities. And then like in the poorest neighborhoods where people didn't have good options or didn't have any options at all, they would have universal pre-K and then maybe phase it in. So folks who um, are, have access to those facilities, they might not get new computers or new iPads for a few years because they're going to be focusing on the schools that need it most. Mm. Um, this was something we paid a lot of attention to when we negotiated our contract in Chicago um, with regards to like staffing up care workers in our schools, uh, making sure that the media schools got them first. And not only is that um, the smart and fair thing to do, but it also like de Blasio could have incorporated that into his message, but something was holding his back, holding him back. And it had to be the purse strings. It had to be someone saying, mm -hmm. no, we're not going to put that much money into your program. Right. Yeah, he's definitely, I think Cuomo has been sort of his foil with this mm -hmm. because he wanted to raise taxes on the wealthy and there's like, you know, state laws and that get in the way of that. But he's still like, yeah, it feels a lot like Obamacare in a sense, where it's like you put together this huge patchwork plan that's still uh, very privatized, underfunded, and then you just like, you know, polish the turd and uh, mm -hmm. run on that for, for re-election. And because it takes so much political capital to even get this like shitty thing done, you become like a lame duck official, which mm -hmm. has kind of been the rest of his, his tenure uh, in office. Um, yeah. I don't think he'll be mayor for life in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't actually go anywhere in town without crowds of people appearing and booing him, <laughs> which is often a huge impediment to reelection. Yeah, if he did it and he got it right, the universal pre-K, and then just was chill, he probably could have stayed in office for quite some time. But, you know, he's kind of always tripping on himself. I think that's just part of the Wilhelm way, just doing really <laughs> weird shit that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now he's sick. Uh, he just called out sick the other day. Uh, he says it's not coronavirus. <laughs> you guys buy that? Do you think he's just like needs a day? in bed hey, or something i buy it it's not definitely not coronavirus <laughs> it's probably <laughs> entrenched depression if i had to yeah. guess <laughs> it's hung over <laughs> imagine like nine million people who live near you hating you <laughs> what would that be like ask mike tracy no <laughs> yeah. well yeah you really people has... don't know him never mind <laughs> well he really has right. no de Blasio really has no uh base at this point because yeah he the the right always hated him the you know police uh which make up a too big of a portion of new york city although mm. many of them don't live there uh hate his guts they have from the beginning and he's pissed off like the left wing of of the city um i think the, the people who still hang on to some shred of um you know uh like of him uh are the people he's helped in office who are like upper middle class people like him because his uh, housing plan, another thing he wanted to fix, um, has that's who it's benefited. He's built more quote unquote affordable units, but they've been like in luxury buildings, you get like a couple units where you can afford them if you're like a middle class, upper middle class family, you know, and then you get like a subsidized gym membership, shit like that, where it, it, it helps people like him. It helps the upper middle class of the city, not homeless people, certainly, and not working class people. Where, how, where does his popular support come from, though? Because, like, he, you're right. He is the most hated fucking person. <laughs> like, one of the most hated people right now. But he won re-election recently, right? 
Yeah, well, I think part of that is just the inertia, you know, of like it would have been really difficult to run a primary challenge against him. No one really did it. And uh, then, and then you're not going to vote for a Republican. So, right. Right. I I didn't vote for this before on the show. I'd probably say it way too much, but he killed, he dropped and killed the the, uh, groundhog. 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 (laughs) All Black Lives Matter and the police were all mad at him. How does this dude have a job? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I can make sense of is that that actually is like the origin of the weird timeline that we're all living in that he like created groundhog oh yeah <laughs> that's the gateway yeah it, and he was gonna ask too he's like okay if this thing sees its shadow i am not running for re-election i once i figured this out oh no oh oh it's dead i'm so tall well i think he is i think he is term limited because bloomberg had a third Mm, term but he got the city council to like change the charter and make one exemption they didn't change it so like more people could run for a third term it was so specifically he michael bloomberg could run for a third term and then it would just never occur again that's Uh, how did he yeah So that's like the precedent that was set in New York City politics before de Blasio came into office, just like in many ways, far right authoritarianism. Uh, and he hasn't been able to like really reinvent the, uh, the city government in the way he needs to do. Um, one of the things that like I think people need to watch out for, though, is uh, and I mentioned this on the episode of Judah too. Is uh, Jumani Williams, who's kind of like waiting, waiting in the wings for 2021. Uh, another very like rhetorically progressive guy who's been very critical of De Blasio um, during the you know anti police movement, uh, but shows I think a lot of the same tea leaves of um, being a, a sellout. You know, he's taken real estate money. He's um, gone to an APAC conference. And the, th- the important thing, though, is maybe this will all be inconsequential if we actually have like a movement that's not willing to, you know, uh, have a honeymoon with him and just like is holds him accountable as mayor. Or maybe we just need like a totally total outsider, someone who hasn't run for office before from like the activist world to, to run for mayor. Although, you know, there's a lot of uh, structural impediments to getting someone like that elected. Mm in any city let alone new york um you give them a groundhog see how they handle it yeah that should be a litmus <laughs> test that's really what counts if you're mayor of new york can you hold a groundhog without killing it that's um, it's kept the mayor of woodstock illinois in a job for years because <laughs> that's the groundhog from groundhog <laughs> right wait did i say groundhogs are the ones that have the plague there might be another ring do they Groundhogs are also rodents, if that's what if that's what you mean. <laughs> Lazily trying to stitch this all together. I feel like people don't Prairie understand dog. like what a rodent is. It's just a kind of teeth. Really? That's what hmm. distinguishes it? Yeah, it's the big teeth in the front. That's like cats are felines. They have the so pointed like, teeth on the sides. Uh, Pete Booty Judge. Yeah. Pete yeah, Booty Judge. He is a rodent. Big teeth in the front. Well, I mean, exactly. we established that in a while. Party in the back. <laughs> Right. If you can pick him up without hurting him, you might have the <laughs> qualities we need for a high office. I honestly don't think I could pick up Pete Booty Judge without like I, I don't know. <laughs> you show the f- initiative for careful planning. 
decision maker. I mean, he's another example of this because I remember, uh, like, yeah, a year ago, feels like much longer, but uh, a year ago, we thought, oh, Pete Buttigieg, he's, he's you know, saying what we want to hear. He wants mm. Medicare for all. Uh, and his big thing when he first ran for president was like, you know, Democrats, the problem is we get too caught up in the details. We get too, you know, policy wonkish and we need to think mm-hmm. about our philosophy, our, our, mm. philosophy, our governing, you know, vision. Uh, and at the time, you know, people like me heard that and were like, great, we don't like this technocratic shit. Let's get the big ideas going. And then look at it. But, but it turns out and he went the other way with it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the fine print is important, especially when you look at his mayoral record, which was dog shit. You know, he's a fucking mayor, too. Dude, he's a fucking <laughs> yeah. mayor. I totally forgot about all mayors are bastards. AMAB. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, if we could pivot to to my mayor, kind of like in many ways the the boss of mm-hmm. the mayors in the country. In many ways, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Muriel Bowser, mayor of Washington D.C. Um, you know, famously, couple like a week ago, turned the street in front of the White House to Black Lives Matter Lane. Mm-hmm. Huge victory for the movement. That's I think we can you know pack it up and go home. That's we have a lane wanted. now. <laughs> That's what we lane. wanted. <laughs> Sometimes it's whose streets, our streets. <laughs> oh, that's what they want. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. what the <laughs> Literally. Yeah. You know, someone at the mayor's office was like, I didn't even consider that, and it works on so many levels. Huge win for us. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're listening. That's what you want from politicians, is to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and take on the, you know, the broad idea, the spirit of the protests and, you know, defund the police, according to Muriel Bowser, not really meant to be taken literally. You know, it's, no. it's more reform the police. Uh, she said in an interview, she is not at all considering um, the 24 million in extra money that uh, is going to the Metropolitan DC Police Department. Uh, she just, you know, wants to, to ban the chokeholds and do all that stuff that they already had in places like Minneapolis. Um, She's doing the Biden move. She's like, what if we gave them more money? Have you considered that, that maybe they don't have enough chokeholds invented yet? Right. Mm. The Bernie move as well. And the True. Bernie move, to be fair. I don't know what they think they're going to do with the money that's going to fix the problem. I guess training, but... You would like, you'd have to have your head so deep in the sand. I don't know. It's well, that, that like, you know, you can't really train someone to not try to kill someone if they want to kill someone. Yeah. I don't, it, it, it's so far beyond like a cop freaking out. Like, I don't know what to do. So I might as well kill this person. It's like, no, the solution is like stomping out people I'm afraid of or I hate. Right. I mean, I think Bernie's position, I, I don't agree with it, but I think mm. the way he's looking at it is, uh, if we increase cop salaries, then that will make it a more competitive position, a little more right. lucrative. And that way we can get higher quality mm-hmm. officers, which yeah, doesn't really address the, sure. the problem. Like we need the to discerning do- man's town bully. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And not that this really matters, but in Chicago cops are paid really well. Like, you know, you start out with a more than living wage and then within a few years you can move. I mean, there are neighborhoods that are just cop neighborhoods where they keep the value, the 
the home value is pretty high to maintain them as cop neighborhoods. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a system. It's a, you know, it's a system within, you know, the, within the system of Chicago. It, and isn't that because there's Chicago is one of the few cities where there's like a rule that cops need to live in the city limits. Yeah. So we have um, a residency requirement that started, I want to say mid nineties or so. And so if you look at the city, the Northwest side and the far Southwest side basically is close, you know, bordering the suburbs, those are huge police hotbeds. And those neighborhoods, um, that's where you have things like pretty much Republican uh, aldermen. Like we had, uh, we have this one alderman trying to trigger people because there were some cops in Chicago that were caught sleeping and eating popcorn in um, Bobby Rush's <laughs> office, the congressman, <laughs> a while ago. He basically let them chill out while there was a bunch of shit happening in the streets. And so like this one alderman who's technically he's basically a republican like went on the news eating popcorn to trigger the libs like that's we have that maga shit in our city just not within like you know the more central areas so um you know basically the border to the suburbs is uh fortified with with pigs (laughs) fantastic (laughs) damn well dc is actually fairly recently got it a mayor you know we didn't have a mayor until the 70s it was run by a congressional committee uh and then they generously let us have a city government um we're still waiting for statehood interesting Uh, 70s is when mcdonald land had to get rid of their mayor really where do you think he went yeah where do you think he went well you know the first capital the first mayor of dc was appointed he wasn't elected and his name was walter washington which always sounded <laughs> sketchy to me almost yeah, like, like they the kind of so made, on the yeah. nose. human human name <laughs> not uh, a not a cheeseburger of any kind man <laughs> yeah that's a fake human head look closely in the pictures. you can see concealing and, back the the sesame seed bun and the guy he was unseated by had a a food name marion barry (laughs) we're on to something (laughs) yeah that's interesting dc's got the very similar kind of machine thing going that uh chicago has where like there was this you know you had someone like barry who was you know a son of the city who worked his way up the political machine brought home the bacon for his constituents, brought home more bacon for himself, of course. Um, but he's, I, I feel like he is such a misunderstood character. And if people like looked at him and look at the complications in his life, maybe we'd understand these machines and we can, you know, break them down. Um, but like it has been since like these neoliberal machines are taking over cities like Chicago, like DC. Um, and, you know, it's like the system is working to oust these folks and then replace them with like Fenty and Lightfoot right. and all these like neoliberal types. Um, and this seems to be like reproducing itself all over in these major cities. Yeah. When are we going to get a mayor who brings home the bacon by frying these cops? Are you, you, you with me? Who's with me? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start well, a GoFundMe for whoever that is. Well, that's what has been hard to get going in DC. And we're seeing, you know, maybe the beginnings of it. Uh, of cutting the police budget. Um, and, and even in New York, there's the proposal from the city council. They wanted to take a billion away uh, from the police. Um, but, but that's, you know, the city itself is in like a huge financial hole. So it's kind of like convenient timing. Uh, well, but they were going to take it from everything else though. So it is pretty helpful. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but in D.C., so um, Adrian Fenty, you mentioned, was, you know, a, a opponent, arch opponent of public education mm-hmm. in Washington. Um, kind of like, yeah, very similar to Lightfoot. Like he mm-hmm. made enemies with everybody, uh, most specifically the, the teachers union in mm-hmm. D.C., uh, one term mayor. Um, and then we had a you know corrupt guy for a while who was um, replaced by Muriel Bowser, who comes like Mayor Fenty from Ward Four of the city, mm. uh, and her sort of successor in the city council race um, was a guy named Brandon Todd, who got her old seat when she became mayor, and, and they're part of this thing called the the Green Team, as it's called, uh, which sounds great, sounds. Like, you know, Green New Deal, something like that. But no, it's just like uh, a very a business-backed um, political machine. Mm. The um, green is for money. <laughs> yes. Yes, that kind of green. But her uh, successor, Brandon Todd, he uh, voted to against family and medical leave. He voted after the uh, residents of the city voted to raise the minimum wage. He voted to just like repeal it along – with the the rest of the city council, they just like undid the will of the voters and decided to not raise the minimum wage. Um, Yes. But, but the good news is he got a primary challenge from uh, someone we've shouted out on the show, Janice Lewis, George. And uh, the tactic he used against her was, Oh, she she wants to take cops off the beat. She wants to cut the police budget, which is true. (laughs) She did. Uh, But what they, they didn't mention a little flyer. They handed out smearing her is uh, DC's police department um, is more has more money per capita than any other department in the country, any other city, and crime has gone up and up and up. So like this hasn't worked, um, and this didn't work because uh, she won. She beat Brandon Todd a couple weeks ago. Uh, but something I keep reflecting on from that election day is I was out volunteering for her, and there were volunteers for. Brandon Todd, her opponent. And one of them was this older woman who had a t-shirt on that said Black Wall Street, Um, which, you know, if our listeners aren't familiar, like a a tragic event in in American history. And I think we're going on the 99th anniversary of like a group of like black businesses Mm -hmm. and financers in Tulsa who were burned to the ground by white supremacists. Which, like, I just want to jump in for one second. Because sure, yeah, yeah. Arnie freaking Duncan tweeted the other day. Yes. How many of you teachers are teaching about the Tulsa massacre? Which pissed me the hell off because he screwed our system up so bad in Chicago and then nationally. I did. I teach the Tulsa <laughs> massacre. Hell yeah. So Arnie Duncan, eat my shorts. <laughs> yeah, you could tell him to eat your shorts. It's the, you got them. Yeah, because if someone clips this out, I don't want to actually swear. <laughs> eat right. my shorts sorry anders i just had to get the- oh no no that's a quick note about the uh tulsa massacre um a uh a strange man named uh was this lindelof is damon lindelof the one that made it uh made a story about it last year that was an adaptation of the watchman the graphic novel by oh, alan yeah. moore who's okay, a yep. police person <laughs> Uh, and it's all, it takes place in Tulsa and is based around the Tulsa Massacre. The reason he made the Watchmen TV show based around the Tulsa Massacre is because he, a grown, very rich Hollywood screenwriter, read about it 
six months before making that TV show for the first time. So he should have taken Kenzo's class. <laughs> and, and that shit should be taught everywhere, right? Um, it was a very like bold, creative decision, in my opinion, to, to make you know you, this HBO-level thing about something you just learned about. Uh-huh. Thing. Right. Um, it's not like a podcast episode, per right. se. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot um, more money involved. No, we're, <laughs> you really have to commit to the bit if you have a prestige television show. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's why we are canceling our rat premium HBO show. Yeah. <laughs> we are not ready to produce it. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're, yeah, we're canceling instructions on how to own a pet rat and shit by Podium. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Was but, he the one who um, also wanted to do the the sla- if the South won the Civil War? Yeah, yeah, same yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got some great ideas. He's got I'm sorry, some- was it Lindelof or was it Dan and Dave? I don't know. All those fucking guys are the same. He's guy. one of the Game of Thrones guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those guys were supposed to make like a Star Wars, and they couldn't make it. I don't know. Same fucking soupy mix of people. But um, another thing about the Tulsa massacre is that uh, just so happens that Trump is having an election rally. This week, at the end of this week, on Juneteenth, which if you don't know mm-hmm. is you know a holiday, it's really big in the South, uh, because it's a holiday that is in reference to not when slavery ended, but when they told the slaves. Mm-hmm. It's a really dark holiday, and um, you know. But that being said, everyone has a big fucking barbecue and shit, and um, but a lot of people don't know about it, right? Uh, especially outside of the South, people don't. It's just history; it's just not taught in schools. Trump is having that rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa, which mm-hmm. is baffling, really, to me, because it's one of those things where, like, you, you stare at it from all these different angles and you can't really tell what's going on because it's equally plausible that he is racist enough to have done that on purpose mm-hmm. and also stupid enough to have, like, done that on accident in, like, this Larry David sort of way. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, oh, he'll... Oh, no, I amplified white supremacy again. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost see like whoever is the Steve Banyan there now saying, "Hey Trump, this is what we're gonna do, and this is the reason why it's racist." And he signed to both those pieces. Signed yeah, yeah, those yeah. Pieces. That's I mean that's the Trump theory of uh, uh, of movement, right? It's always like a racist person near him has an idea, <laughs> and then he just signs off on it. He isn't. He's not producing any of these shit. He has a Damon Lindelof on the line. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, well, back to the the uh, Black Wall Street. Um, yes, a totally heinous event in American history, and it's something that I always thought of, like as you know, this is an example of stuff that gets brushed under the rug, it rug in in most history classes. Um, but there's this woman wearing it on behalf of you know a pro corporate uh, candidate, and it occurred to me that like a lot of people may take that history as like a an example of black capitalism and the lesson from it is the need to recreate that and and you know support black capitalism and and black businesses Mm -hmm. and it's like really awkward for someone like me to come in and say like hey actually we we want you know socialism we we Mm. we don't want that uh so that's is just something I've been like chewing on a lot because in a lot of these cities and the mayors we're talking about, they come from, you know, there's a, a black political class, which a lot of people have, have written about. Um, mm. Kianga Yamada Taylor had a really good essay in the New York times about this. 
uh, and it's like, it's, yeah, it's a weird thing for non-black people to like discuss and confront. Uh, but I think like the solution there is to, you know, sort of ally ourselves with people from these areas who uh, are not satisfied with the the status quo and want to, to challenge it who are, you know, black themselves. And, um, you know, because that, that's the other, the other side of it too, is there, there's white capital that's backing these like businesses and these candidates too. And if you look at like the election results in uh, DC ward four, like the whitest areas voted for the incumbent Brandon Todd. Uh, but he lost because of like the unity um, of like the black working class and the white uh, burnout class, if you will. Um, and I think that's like kind of the way forward in like coalitions uh, for, for urban politics. Yeah, I think that's certainly something that, you know, working in coalition with organizations that, you know, like let's say DSA just as an example, like which for all intents and purposes existed for four years. Uh, us working with some of these longstanding organizations that might not share our politics. In Chicago, we've always taken kind of a junior partner approach to it by allowing those organizations to lead us and we kind of bolster their work. Um, but like, you know, if an organization zigs when, you know, our politics say zag, we just don't sign on to that piece of it. Um, but at, at the same time, it's a constant tension and it's something right. that, you know, you either address it and you've, you know, be are proactive in, in dealing with it or you brush it under the rug and then you have, um, you know, the, the shitty cycle of politics we always have. Right. Yeah. It's that I think, yeah, you have to be, you know, as a materialist, you have to like look at the situation you're in and the area mm -hmm. you're in and the organizations that are active and exist before you got there and work with them. Um, One of the things that's interesting is um, our mayor, um, I think really, I mean, she senses that tension. She's a political creature. So mm -hmm. she made a point of, um, of a calling out DSA on the floor of city hall, which I want to pat myself on the, you know, we, we want to pat ourselves on the back, but this was very insidious to how she did it. Um, you know, we're working in coalition with black lives matter, Asada's daughters, black youth project, all of these groups. And we are junior partners. They're leading this and we are there to support them. But uh, Lightfoot made a point of saying the only people who want to defund police is DSA, a, a line like that. And it's a way of, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, we are viewed as a white led organization right. or a primarily white organization that like the defunding police thing is the white anarchists like, you know, yeah. it's prevalent in every other city. Right. She's trying to, to have that be a thing here. Thankfully, we do have strong grassroots organizations like fighting that uh, that narrative. Um, but it's it is a constant tension. Right. That, yeah. Cause we're, I mean, speaking for myself, I, I'm going to be used as the foil, you know, and that's like, it's an important thing to, you know, we need everybody involved as many people involved as, as possible. But I think what you said is right. Like we have to view ourselves in many cases as like the junior partner, you know, there's a reason uh, we're running people like Janice Lewis, George, J Tiffany Caban and not, you know, Anders Lee, Alex Patak for these uh, races, you know. Please do not nominate me for anything. <laughs> I'm not prepared. I don't, I, let me earn $30,000 as an adult before I become <laughs> a member of Congress. Um, we are running out of time here, but uh, there's just so many wonderful mayors we didn't mm -hmm. get to. I just got to ask, is there, is there any shout outs for terrible mayor out there we didn't talk about? Garchetti, I know, is a real piece of shit. Um, the mayor of Seattle, mm, Jenny Jerkin. 
She's uh, much worse than I, like, I did a little research before this show. And I always, as a Marxist, you know she's bad because X, Y, and Z makes a person a bad politician. But I didn't get into the detail. Wow, she is awful. Yeah. Yeah. She was a uh, prosecutor before she became mayor. Actually, mm-hmm. the, her uh, two mayors before her was a guy who had to resign in sort of a Chris Delia-style scandal. Um, <laughs> but they had an interim mayor for a while, and she came in uh, and was, yeah, spent a ton of money on the, on the election. Um, but, yeah, she was a prosecutor for a long time and, like, acted really punitively against anarchists after uh, May Day 2012, held them in solitary confinement to try to make an example of them. It's just really nasty stuff. Uh, and there's some, one article I read where she like, um, there was a, an aide of hers who was asking about like a funeral for like a community activist. And she grabbed the aide by the face and like shook their face, like Holy fucking shit. Tony Soprano. Um, yeah. And she's one of my f- favorite moves of her though. I, I do have to give her, some credit here is when she was running for mayor, she was at an event and um, tossed tiny tequila bottles into mm-hmm. the audience. <laughs> and it turned out it was an all ages event. <laughs> so this cop was That's encouraging underage drinking. Oh. And, and this was an event where she very cringily acted as Melissa McCarthy acting as uh, Spicer from SNL <laughs> and used the term mm-hmm. colored person in her bit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer. You have to understand. <laughs> that is such a politician move. <laughs> he is also the guy who was throwing out those tequila bottles. That was a joke. <laughs> Please give those back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Seattle, we have like one voice of, of reason here, mm. Shama Sawan. And again, a very, very left wing city, but um, these machines are so powerful. Um, throughout the country um yeah just uh, we're closing out like you asked alex asked earlier like are there any good mayors and there's like not very many i mean we talked about um ras baraka a little bit on the last episode Mm. mayor of newark who um has done some good stuff but has still had to like work with the police department kind of Mm -hmm. the same way like larry krasner has like we've he's been able to force through some substantive changes but like can't really make it any transformation with the amount of uh, political capital he has uh even um chakwe lumumba in jackson mississippi where they have like a like a quasi communist state going on like mm-hmm. they have their own like long-standing chaz that's been not really a chaz but they long-standing like a... chaz <laughs> <laughs> hanging chaz no, but uh, Cooperation Jackson, you know, it's a great, you know, example of socialist activity, uh, self-organization. But their mayor, uh, who is a radical, he's not, he's, goes beyond socialist, calls himself a radical, has had to uh, open his purse for Mike Bloomberg, who's mm-hmm. given him some money. So, like, I mean, we can... That was a layer we didn't even explore, but all the money that he threw around when he was still in the race. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been giving for years as the, through his like foundations and just yeah buying these city machines. Um, and you know we can condemn these people all day, but like again, they're like real structural impediments here to actually transforming things at the urban level. And I think you know, mayor is certainly an important position um, that we shouldn't like you know dismiss. But I think really the most important thing is is like a movement and. Um, 
representative offices, city council. If you, cause if you control the city council, you can control like a state legislator mm-hmm. legislature. That's uh, in some ways more powerful than like an executive position. Right. If, if you're a mayor and you win, you're, you're officially the face of the city. And just by that logic, you're forced into a position of consolidation a lot of the time if you want to stay there. Right. But I think mm. what we want to improve on are getting people in who, when they do choose to use their political capital to try try to, uh, uh, you know, get progressive policy changes, they're not doing what a lot of these liberal mayors are doing, like uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta is uh, issuing police reforms. And it's just, again, what we're seeing in other cities, which is make sure you've asked them before you do the chokehold. Mm. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've done your soothing techniques you learned in hypnotist school that we paid for with the extra $60,000 we're giving you. You have to announce before you shoot somebody. You have to send a group text to the entire city that you're discharging your weapon. <laughs> I'm going to shoot. I oh, meant to send that five minutes ago. I did it. Well, well. What do we have, folks? Get yourself some mayo, Pete, some cold Bloomberg lettuce. Um, put the sauce on the, on the quiche bottoms. Slap <laughs> all that. Between two... Debunzios, we have morality. <laughs> and Bowser down before this delectable treat. It must be destroyed. And there's only one way to, eat it, to destroy a burger eat it. That's with your mouth. That's with your mouth, <laughs> folks. All with right. The tool of change, your mouth. <laughs> Think about it, folks. Um. Well,. That's it for us again. Another week. (laughs) Kenzo, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, You can go to my Twitter handle, which is at Kenzo Shibata. Um, Something that's easier to spell is at Class Time Pod. That's my podcast's new Twitter handle. Go to the pinned tweet. You can vote on the worst mayor in the Midwest. Hell yeah. (laughs) I love it. Which I think it's going to be Lightfoot or Frey, I think. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah, and eat that burger with some French fries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there <we> go. <laughs> Boom. Anybody All else right. got any plugs? At Anders Lee here on Twitter, I am no longer David Simon. He, um, <laughs> he on the he... bit, by the way. <laughs> How long you. did that last for? How Too long, long were you, David Simon? <laughs> it was about 24 hours. I thought you were going to get banned. I'm like, you are flying close to the sun, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> if I was verified, I may have been. But... <laughs> I knew it was you immediately because it talked like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah, dog. For, <laughs> for at least a day, you still had a pinned tweet of you interviewing people as David Simon. <laughs> David Simon also uses the N-word a lot more, or a lot. Right, right. that's <laughs> one that, like, it. I didn't know how hard I wanted to commit to the bit, I think. <laughs> I think Don't you made the right choice been. by not doing that. Yeah. yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> when you yeah. stare into the bit, the bit stares back into you. <laughs> Alex, Jake, do you have any? Oh, wait. Yeah, I'll do mine. Um, okay. Um, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. I'm going to take a break for a few days while I finish a thing, but you can donate to Reclaim the Block on my pin tweet to unlock the radio show I worked on last month, which is Serial, uh, a radio play that's like Serial, but way more dumb and about Dragon Ball Z. We have nice. currently raised $4,400. So feeling pretty good about that. And I'll see you on the internet. I like your new sign off. Uh, 
what is my plug oh hey uh merch i got bandanas in finally i'm sending everything out i know i keep saying this just the fuck the mail is fucked up i think because of covid so it took like a month for me to get the merch that i'm now gonna send you so don't worry please don't uh leave me i love you very much uh i will personally come and kiss all of you on the forehead after i give you merch after covid is over and it is legal to do that again until then it'll only happen in our minds um my other podcast called light mad i'm at feral jokes on everything and um finally i want to plug officer big mac which is another character within the municipality of mcdonald's (laughs) land mcdonald's land you need to understand is a community it's imagined as a city like our own not like burger king which is a monarchy or Shake Shack, which is a shack, I guess. That's like- <laughs> <laughs> it's, mo- it's more t- of a zone. <laughs> yeah. Wendy's, who the fuck knows what's going on over there. Um, there's a police officer in the world of McDonald land who has a burger for a head, much like Mayor McCheese. I guess they're the same species. And uh, he's also very short-lived. They also had to get rid of him. He has like a British hat on. I think that's probably – he probably got um, – accused of copyright infringement also <laughs> all the burgers in in the uk are well super well done so maybe he just like got fried out of his mind <laughs> yeah. got burned to death metaphor speaking yeah. of metaphors if you've never seen this guy before you might have seen him growing up at a mcdonald's play place because there was and you can look this up i just tweeted a picture of it a like a thing that kids could play in that was basically his head and then the burger, like it's expanded, and then there's an empty space inside of the burger that is held together with the bars of prison. It's you. His head is huh. the police. He's a police officer, and his head is both a burger and a prison, <laughs> much like Michel Foucault warned us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Stare at this and think about society. That's what I have to plug today. Definitely check that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, let's get the fuck out of here, everyone. Uh, it's finished. It's Bye, everybody. Right. Peace, guys. It's finished. <laughs>